It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. This episode is going to be a fun one uh, because it's something where the, the subject of, of the podcast is uh, Reset, uh, a name that you've heard a, a lot before. Uh, we've had multiple different people involved with it, myself in, in, included. Uh, so we're going to be talking to uh, the new executive director. And I say new, it's kind of funny is that I say new. It's not really new, new to me in the sense of uh, this first time we're going to be talking uh, on camera and so forth. Uh, but uh, executive director, Sarah Bodley. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Thanks so much, Eric. It's really great to be here. I've also heard about you guys over the years now, and um, it's a pleasure to be joining you this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. And it is one thing about this ecosystem, it's always good, is that, you know, every group goes through an evolution, every group goes through a transition, and people come and go. And the, the one thing that we always hope for is that it gets passed on to somebody, another uh, person that can lead the organization through the next phase of it. And uh, from everything that I've heard, uh, you are that person and that's what you've been doing. So uh, so I guess first off, uh, I will have to point out is that you actually have a connection to the starting of CT Startup because you grew up next door or you live next door to Evan Dobos. Which one, which one is that? <laughs> <laughs> we grew up in the same town. Yeah. And he later lived uh, next door to where I grew up, although we did not live there at the same time, but we went to high school together and he was the first person to ever bring me to a reset event. All right. And look at that full yeah. circle. Okay. So full mm -hmm. circle. So Evan, uh, he was in one of the reset accelerators, right. Uh, and also uh, he was, I want to say number two, one or two, uh, on uh on the first people to be on this podcast uh and be interviewed on this podcast uh and i want to say he actually uh when we were talking about the the website he helped us maybe set up the first website so again full circle for this whole uh adventure uh and uh that we call uh, ct startup um so yeah so i guess uh, just tell us a little bit about how you did get to reset um and uh and we can go from there sure yeah 
Well, I, actually, Evan is the person who I really give all the credit to, um, and that's a story that I've I've told in other settings. So I um, I I'll I'll take you back a little bit further though, because my pathway is a little bit um, unusual to how I found myself in the startup space. I was actually a dancer originally, um, so I grew up you know doing ballet, and later got really involved with the modern dance scene. Did my undergrad at SUNY Purchase, and was completely focused on on dance and um, moved to New York after college and, you know, really tried to make that my career um, for about 10 years. And um, the interesting thing about like, you know, the arts are tough, no matter how you look at it, it's a tough uh, business to be in, um, certainly incredibly fulfilling. And, you know, you don't do it if you're not completely passionate and driven to do it. Um, but I, I also really now in my life reflect often on how entrepreneurial we were in the dance scene in those years because a lot of folks were starting to do their own project work. It was kind of shifting away even at that time from this dream of getting your big company job or like being on Broadway, you know, it was very different um, even by the time that I was living there that everybody was kind of like, I'm, you know, we've got to hustle, we've got to make things ourselves. And that was how we, we were kind of creating the spaces that we wanted to be in. Um, Simultaneously, because as most starving artists do, you got to make money somehow. So I got a day job working for um, another dance company, a nonprofit dance company. Um, and that was really where I kind of started to flex my business muscles a little bit more. And thankfully, over the years, there had a number of really amazing mentors who kind of encouraged me to formalize this business training part of my brain. It was really something that, um, you know, I learned a lot on the job and ultimately did decide to go back and do an MBA in sustainability at Bard College, which frankly, that was a huge pivotal moment for me because it really opened my eyes to the vastness of how business gets done and that there's so much more to it than just kind of traditional capitalism. And I kind of knew that, but to really see all of the amazing ways that folks were working um, through business to make the world a better place, that program just really kind of opened up this whole space to me. Um, and so around that time too, I, I was sort of introduced to Reset by Evan. <laughs> so I was home for the holidays, I think at one point, and he invited me to come check out. They were, it was actually the opening of the space that we're in now, the co-working space here in Parkville, in the Parkville neighborhood of Hartford, um, which opened in 2015. And he was like, you're, you're doing all this business work. I think you would really like what this company is doing. So we, we showed up and I was immediately hooked. I mean, I, I met um, Ojala Naeem, my predecessor was here that night, of course, Kate Emery, our founder, and I was just sort of intrigued and started following everything I could. Um, but then my work ended up taking me down to DC for a few years where I was also working with entrepreneurs doing a lot of, you know, micro business development down there working with a CDFI. So uh, really, I was kind of just stalking reset on the sidelines and kind of always kept an eye on what was going on up here. And so when I saw the opportunity, I just really jumped at the chance to start a conversation and was really grateful that they um, they liked me <laughs> when we first started talking. And so um, my, my meandering path ultimately took me back here, which as you said, I mean, this is my home state. So that definitely helped to be able to come back and, and do this kind of work in my home state. And I will tell you, I know I've, I've heard some of your other episodes and, and I love that, you know, we're always all talking about how do we get people to move to Connecticut, to come back to Connecticut, you know, to stay here if, if we're coming up here. And I really have been so appreciative in coming back at this point in my life to see things that I just didn't ever would, I would not have expected as a kid growing up here to see the kind of energy that I am experiencing and feeling now in Hartford being back. So that's that's the journey, I suppose. <laughs> and hey, and first of all, everybody's path is different. And, and uh, one of the good things is that, um, and I tell people this about sometimes about ideas, right? Uh, sometimes uh, for me, I want to get an idea out there and I want to see if it resonates with the person and if they come back to and they think about it, right? And, and so forth. And I think that's the same thing as organizations. If what, the work that they're doing still resonates with somebody after they went to an event and after they follow them on social and, and you know, it's like, wow, that group is doing something. They are moving things forward, right? So it, it's. I'm glad that reset um, uh, kind of uh, grew on you, and it resonated with you. And even when you're down in DC, you're checking in, seeing what's happening. Um, I will. I will say is that we probably crossed paths because I remember that event. I because that that it was uh, our um, 
our, uh, uh, the cohort that we were in was the last one that was on Pratt street in, yeah. in Hartford, then, then moved over uh, to that one. And so I feel like, uh, I feel like, I, I don't know when that was, what time of the year, but I, I have a distinct memory that when I went there, I saw Evan and he had driven his motorcycle from Torrington or whatever. And it was like, an, and I, and it was a nice day out. And I just remember him doing that. So it's like, I don't know if that was the day, but I remember having a distinct uh, time uh, talking with him uh, <laughs> <laughs> and driving his motorcycle and he was like stuck in traffic or something, but again, tangent. Um, but that, no, that that's great. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear the story of, I went away for college. I worked somewhere else. Right. And then something caught my eye, something caught uh, my interest. And I came back to Connecticut because the other story we get a lot, and it's probably been a few people on this uh, on this podcast, is that um, my wife or my husband got a job here, and I came, and I wanted to get involved in the ecosystem. So it's like you know the 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 spouse moving or, or uh, the reason uh, being for for coming back. So it's uh, I'm glad that that you did. Um, I guess uh, when it comes to dance, right, and art. What are some of the biggest kind of overlaps in your mind from the art world to the entrepreneurial world? Oh, that's a great question. So it's interesting, actually, too, I think right now, let me let me even just take a step back, because I think really Reset's whole purpose is around social entrepreneurship, which is a broad spectrum. Um, so for anybody who's maybe not familiar with what social entrepreneurship means, I think it, it takes so many different forms. And that's kind of one of the things that's so exciting for me working in this space is that you do have a spectrum of, you know, some nonprofits that see themselves as social entrepreneurs because they're doing things that are generating, you know, economic revenue activity. Um, you also have lots of for-profit businesses nowadays that are trying to do better and to incorporate non-financial metrics, whether it's, you know, economic impacts, social impacts, environmental impacts, and the cultural impact, I think, is an important part, which is, so coming back to your question, I, I honestly, I have really, I mean, despite the immense challenges of the past year, I have to say that I'm seeing so many more through lines between my work in the art world and the dance world and the way that people everywhere are kind of responding and reacting and solving um, in these very kind of creative and, and perhaps more culturally focused ways, both, and I mean, thinking about everything from racial justice coming to the forefront for so many people who really haven't been thinking that way um, to just, you know, solutions for the things that we're all dealing with right now. I really believe that there's an immense creativity that comes into the problem solving. And that's essentially what art is. It's kind of taking what you see, reflecting it, making something new. Um, so I, I love that question. And, and honestly, I think I'm also a very visual learner, visual processor. So one of the things I really love doing when we're working with businesses is actually just mapping out what are you doing that's different and how can we maybe visualize that? Even if it's just like on the back of an envelope to try to make sense of what you're creating. And that's actually something that my, my old boss at the dance company, Doug Verone was a very visual person and he would do these incredible maps of the work that he was making. Um, I almost, now that you've got me thinking like, it'd be so cool to see that juxtaposed with a business, uh, uh, map, you know, of some kind, but, um, yeah, I think it's incredibly creative and you have to be willing to also try and fail. Um, you know, and I mean, that's, I'm, I know that's such a theme in this setting and in all of our settings, but, you know, I think that's the beauty of the dance world. It's, it's a live art. Of course, that's changing too, with all the digital, you know, consumption that we're all doing right now. But, um, inherently it's fleeting and you know you kind of have to be willing to just like let it happen and and move through it and experience it moment to moment which in a way I think there's some interesting parallels there to just growing a business it's going to be changing every second and you kind of can't you can only control so much mm -hmm. and so I uh first off I did not know that you were a dancer I did not know that so like when you when you brought that up like I was like oh wow I got to go down this, uh, this thread <laughs> It's also because there's been a few conversations, both on the podcast uh, last few episodes, but also just in my life I've had about the you know um, business as an art form, right? Mm -hmm. And and actually I, I had a uh, I can go I can go back maybe ten years. Uh, uh, somebody I went to high school with. She went to art school. You know she's you know being coming to be a trained artist. And I remember one night around a fire. You know uh, a after a few uh, we started having this debate of you know 
well, why can't I consider myself an artist just because I'm building a business? And she's like, well, you can't because that's not art, right? And I go, well, what are you talking about? Art is, you know, this, and we get, you know, one of these heady conversations. But I think, you know, fast forward 10 years, when I bring that up to you, you're like, oh, yeah, like it is, it's, it's very close together, actually, right? Like you're talking about the person, no, you know, in, yeah, I like how you did the, well, maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but, but there is an art form to business, right? Convincing somebody, uh, letting them understand a complex idea, you know, kind of changing a culture, right? You know, being a cultural uh, um, uh, or di- helping dictate culture, right? You know, that that's a piece of art, right? That That's what art tries to do sometimes. So it's been just been very interesting to do it. I know Al Bot from uh, the District uh, Arts Education. He talked about, you know, there's the art side of business and the science side of business where there's certain things that you, taxes are done in a certain way, right? You know, this is done in a certain way, but then the art form of it, where you might interact with your customers in unique ways every single time, right? It's not something that can't be mapped out every time, right? It just has to happen. So, um, and, and I think you're right in the, in the social entrepreneur scene, I think that is probably definitely more tied to, or to the artist community where it is, it's not just for profit, right? It's saying, what else are we doing? How else are we impacting using this, um, this vehicle of business to do that? So I, ha- I had to go down that thread of, of uh, you know, uh, what, uh, what you thought about it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, and there's also, I mean, just one other thought that you brought to mind is the storytelling aspect. I mean, we've been practicing pitches in our, one of our core programs is an accelerator that we run each year, the program that I know you're very familiar with having gone through it um, and many others that have been on here, but a big part of it is learning to pitch your business. And we really talk about that as a way of storytelling. And it's kind of, um, you know, again, there's a creativity to how are you expressing yourself and in a way that people will resonate with. And I, I mean, I, would argue that has to come from a point place of real authenticity. You can't just sort of do it to check that box. But um, yeah, I, I appreciate the parallel very much. So on, let's go on the thread of storytelling. Reset has evolved. The story that was being told back in the Walker, you know, in the back of the uh, offices at Walker uh, in Farmington, which I remember. Um, so where is Reset right now? Where is Reset going? And and kind of where does Reset fit within the Hartford uh, e- uh, ecosystem? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think um, I appreciate that, you know, things definitely evolve and partly because of the landscape, certainly partly because of changing people, you know, I'm, I'm new and, uh, you know, doing, doing certain things perhaps a bit differently. Um, but I think one thing that drew me here in the first place is that Hartford, well, I think Reset has always been very rooted in community and kind of was born out of this really organic desire among a group of passionate people to see something better (laughs) than what they could find at the time, you know, led by our our founder, Kate Emery. But really, um, you know, in in all my experiences with her, and I was not there in those very early days, but, you know, it it just, uh, I can still see that and feel that through line of people coming together around an interest area. And that has not changed. I would say if anything, you know, in the past year, we've tried to really um, certainly adapt to COVID and, you know, try to create that same sense of community online, which is not easy, but um, we we really do our best to, to engage and create opportunities for folks to come together, whatever that looks like, whether it's within a program. So we still are operating a lot of the, the things that we've done over the years and have tried to really hone in on um, as far as our programs go. So the impact accelerator has been a really core part of Reset's footprint since 2013. Um, It has evolved a little bit. So one thing that in the last few years, um, you know, as the landscape in Hartford has changed, there's more accelerators, there's more programs that exist now that did not exist when Reset was founded. And so I've seen that as a real opportunity for us to hone in again on what matters to our impact that we're trying to make here as far as, first of all, um, we are locally based in Hartford. And so something that we've kind of really refocused on here is the fact that we wanna be a resource to local Hartford residents in greater Hartford and and statewide certainly, but um, we've been a bit more intentionally focused on the local landscape. And part of that comes down to access to programs like this is just not the same for, especially for women and BIPOC founders. Um, We really want to make sure that this is a program and a place that can be um, accessible and inviting and open to anybody with a great idea. Um, And there are so many people with great ideas here that like there's no shortage of interest and um, uh, need for these resources. 
Um, I would also say, I mean, in the last couple of years, especially we've really, we've been focusing on the food space and um, it's very exciting. I mean, I know you and I have talked at length about this in other settings, but it's really, um, it's, it was exciting already just to see, you know, this was our first foray into kind of a really industry focused program. Our food incubator launched in 2019 and I can't even, so we just closed our application round last night with over 50 applications, which is more than we've had yet to date on this program. And they're almost all right here in this region. Um, I mean, and we had to close the application pool. Like we had to say, you've got to stop now. We've got to make our selection. So, um, you know, I wish that we could actually serve every one of those folks, but uh, the point is that we know that there's a real interest and a need. And right now, as we all are coming through COVID, I, I'm very, grateful that we have, you know, the ability to kind of play a part in this uh, post-COVID, how is the food system going to evolve, and particularly the business side, because there's no shortage of suppliers, you know, there's there's a lot of focus already here in the region on um, access to healthy food for residents, um, but from the business perspective, there's a real opportunity area, so, um, and I think a, a larger theme, going back to Reset's foundation and community, um, our food focused work is really heavily reliant on a community of partners. So we've established with six other local organizations, a food collaborative. Um, and again, this is like really focused on the business side of how do we help more businesses access the resources and tools they need to grow. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's an incredible group. We're going to have a website launching soon. So stay tuned for that, but we've got, um, Forge City Works. So, you know, they've got their workforce development programs. When somebody's ready to hire, they have a brilliantly <laughs> staffed, you know, opportunity there to, to bring people who have been trained and vetted. We've got a couple of uh, the Hands on Hartford and Swift Factory are both offering commercial kitchen spaces. Breakfast, Lunch and Dinner, who founded the No Good Market among many, many, many other <laughs> events and opportunities um, throughout the region. Knox Incorporated, and then finally the um, Parkville Market right across the street. So between all of us, it's just really been about how do we take all of these incredible assets that we have and, and then some, because there are plenty of other folks in Hartford that are also working in this way, um, but really trying to essentially walk the walk. I mean, this is the kind of work that we're encouraging our businesses to do is to think creatively about how do we pull together the assets that we have and turn them into better outcomes and impact. So we're really trying to do the same thing with this particular partnership. And, and I think this is something that certainly I'm really excited to keep kind of snowballing into other parts of our work. Um, you know, I think reset, the, the impact that we're looking to make comes down to, I want every business to be thinking differently about how business gets done. And we can't do that as a single entity. So the more opportunities that we have to connect and to you know, understand how other folks are approaching this and to just kind of lift each other up in the process, I think that's really quite powerful. Um, one other thing that I will mention, because I think this is kind of ebbed and flowed over the years is our, our focus uh, reset has at different points in history, had a stronger focus on legislation, for instance, getting the benefit corporation legislation passed in 2014 um, and on funding. So we know that there's a huge need for connecting our startups and lots of other startups with capital. Um, so that is definitely an area where we're, we're really trying to just invest our own time and energy into what part do we play? How do we, you know, how do we pull together the capital and make those connections a little bit more evident? Again, especially for the founders that are typically left out of the equation when they're looking for funding. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about everything that's on the horizon. Definitely trying to also take it one day at a time and kind of get through COVID and, you know, come out safely on the other side. But I do see some real exciting growth ahead, really just continuing to tap into these partnerships and you know, evolving in the ecosystem as, as the need and fit makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one, I will have to say, I see the excitement on your face. I see, <laughs> I, I hear it in your, in your voice. Uh, also, I also seen here like the same thing that everybody's facing. It's like, 
this past year has rocked everybody. It's given, you know, we all thought to, you know, two to five year projections were potentially solid, you know, like you could mm -hmm. potentially really, you know, the world's not going to shift that drastically in that many years. Right. But we know that that's not true anymore. And so again, it's hard to kind of think, um, I will have to say is that, and I think I mentioned this to you maybe in uh, some of the other conversations is that as entrepreneurs, as people in the space, like this past year has been at, incredible because there's so much opportunity now like there's almost even more opportunity things have progressed i mean people doing zoom and people doing virtual like having a hybrid type of a program it's here to stay right and so it's like we've jumped ahead on in, in many ways a lot more kind of social innovation has kind of happened people are, are willing to kind of adopt new lifestyles right so it, it it's like exciting for us but you got to balance that with like, okay Okay, well, like, let's actually, we still every day, we just got to make another, you know, uh, another few feet uh, of, of progress. And, you know, we'll keep doing this. Um, and I, so one thing uh, that's interesting, and, and um, I've talked to a couple, so one collab, what they're doing in, in New Haven, mm -hmm. basically very similar, right, you guys, uh, the, the, the work that you're all doing, and the, the idea of focusing on, you know, the local population, helping them start something, get whether that be, you know, a small just kind of uh, food truck, or is it a scaling food business, right? There's there's obviously a spectrum. And I guess that's kind of what I want to focus on next is the spectrum of businesses, right? They all need different kinds of uh, um, uh, support. And also sometimes, I mean, we're CT startup, that's the name of this podcast. And people are like, okay, so startups means like, a scaling of a, a company that has to go, you know, VC route that has to scale to, you know, a million users right away. But is it like, it, like, is that, it, you know, for, for a lot of people, is that the case? And, and I think what you're doing and kind of tied into the innovation place is that like, there's a whole spectrum of businesses that we want in this community can, can operate in the community, can, can have impact for the community, but they're not those, those scaling companies that are going to get VC money. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have different challenges. So, I, so like, talk to us about like, who's coming in your programs, who are you helping and, and, and kind of like, who, who, who's the type of entrepreneur that, that Reset can help the most? Yeah, well, and first of all, uh, um, second your shout out to Collab because they are uh, a wonderful partner also and, and one of the folks that we compare notes with frequently just to see, you know, how are we doing all of this? Because I, uh, again, <laughs> partnership is really so, so helpful and key with this kind of work. Um, and I think, I really appreciate this question. I think something that we talk a lot about is, um, First of all, you know, scale means different things to different people, and I, I really am grateful that you asked because um, there, there is this drive, especially among VCs, and you know that that sort of very typical like unicorn seeking uh, side of things that may be the path that some folks want to be on, and more power to them if that's the case. Those folks can certainly fit into this program. We've had plenty of folks that have come through and have gone on to secure uh, investments of different types. Um, and, you know, so so we we absolutely take that part of our role very seriously. It is important to be able to be ready to pitch for those kinds of opportunities if that's the path that you're on and to even just understand what is the right type of capital for your business? What might, what do you really need versus what you think you need? I think something that happens very often when somebody first comes in our doors, they might come in saying, I need $5 million tomorrow in order to do X, Y, and Z. And in the course of their time with us realize, wait a minute, actually, I think I can pilot this thing for, you know, a hundred thousand. And then I'll build in my, by round three, like they, they really are introduced often for the first time to these concepts that, when you've never faced them before, you just don't know where you're beginning. All you can see is sort of like, maybe you have the grand vision and you know that ultimately what it will take to get there, but breaking that down into bite-sized chunks can take a lot of time and effort. And sort of, that's definitely a big part of why we're here. Um, but coming back to your question. So I, I really, I think part of the, the beauty of thinking about impact and, you know, we, we don't spend a ton of time so much really on the double or triple bottom line within our programs, but I think that's a mentality that we certainly try to bring to the table, meaning we're not only counting financial returns, we're also really encouraging everyone, ourselves, our funders, our uh, clients, uh, you know, and the folks that are in these programs to think about the impact of the kind of job that they're creating. So it's one thing to say, you know, we're, we're going to scale and we're going to create hundreds of jobs, but are those going to be thriving wage jobs? Are you going to be giving people opportunities to, you know, pursue new skills? Like how you build is, is also 
really important. And so I, um, something that, you know, we, we are always thinking and talking and working on here is really understanding how do we measure the differences between, you know, any old job and a good paying job that is available to somebody with a barrier to employment, for example. And we have a lot of those cases do come up. We've had lots of companies, um, lots of founders come in with that intention at the beginning. For example, actually one uh, in our current cohort, Rob Zalanka and his partner, Lewis Westfall, are working on a company called Growler Power. They're, it's, a, it's a growler. It's a whole technology for you know, doing your, your brewing at home. Don't ask me to describe it. There's some technical stuff that they will do their pitch in a, couple, in a month or two. But, um, but uh, what you don't know looking at the surface of their business is that they have a commitment to making uh, their manufacturing line staffed by underrepresented youth specifically they're they're really trying to figure out if there's a way that they can hire homeless youth and give them opportunities for for jobs so they have the intention now they've got to translate that into action and i think um that is a sweet spot for us like somebody who knows kind of has clarity has an idea that they really understand and can can make it happen and also has an understanding of the kind of impact that they want to make um that's the kind of puzzle that we're here to help figure out. Um, and how do you make a business case around that that will be both financially sustainable and make the kind of impact that you want? Um, the other thing though, as far as the, the scale goes, I mean, this year um, we, we always have a pretty wide mix of companies in terms of their stage as well as their scale. And that's something I think that actually is a strength of this program in the sense that you're, you're going to learn from each other, whether, you know, you've got somebody who's, who's already doing a couple million dollars in revenue, but looking to pivot or grow or, you know, expand, they're going to have something to offer to the newer folks, but the newer folks are also going to have a new perspective, you know, uh, um, a new take on, on the situation. So we, we really, um, we are very okay with having that level of a scale within the programs. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, I think the core things that we're, we're always on the lookout for is a person behind this that is willing and, you know, has that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, as well as, you know, as I've talked about really uplifting folks that otherwise may lack access to these opportunities. Um, and, a commitment to impact. I mean, I think those those things are, are just core to our work. Um, and beyond that, come talk to us. Like that's, you know, our, usually our, our suggestion is let's have a conversation and let's figure out if, if one of these programs is the right fit. And if not, there are other ways that we can also engage with startups. So we have workshops that happen um, throughout the year, a little bit more, you know, during fall and spring season, sort of on the semester level. We are just starting to do a little bit more coaching now. We've started to kind of formalize that. So there's lots of ways that we want to be able to, you know, still be a resource, even if somebody's not the perfect fit for our program. Yeah. And, and as part of being reset and just like one of these other uh, kind of organizations that have been around for a while, you're a super connector. <laughs> if we can't help you, if you don't fit into kind of where we are, well, here are these five other resources you should go connect to. And that's the point, right? So it's to, you know, and over the past, you know, decade or so, these super connectors have grown. Uh, I mean, that's literally how I got involved into Reset. One of the professors that I was working with, uh, Professor Fearon, I was doing some work with him. Hey, you should probably go check out. So you go to a bathroom, back, you know, conference room of, of a office space, right? And then that turns into a conversation, then a few more conversations, then go to Pratt Street, right? And so a lot of organizations have have evolved just like that. I mean, Collab is is, is one of them. You know, mm -hmm. the district, they're all they have all done it. I mean, most and the cool thing about this podcast is that over the past five years, I've got to have the conversations with the people and, and see the evolutions of it. Right, uh, Ojala has been on our our program a few times. She's going to be coming back to to be doing a couple episodes with us. So David Salinas was was with us before he launched uh, District, and then you know. Uh, subsequent uh, times, uh, right when he did and, and after. So it's always good to, to see the evolution. Um, but again, you're at the end of the day, you're super connected to the ecosystem. You're here to help entrepreneurs of all levels, you know, all sizes, shapes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess one thing that kind of, uh, that you, you kind of mentioned is, you know, the triple bottom line and, and you know, focusing on the other types of uh, ways of benefit corporation. So, mm -hmm. you know, I will have to say, trifecta we have been through our ups and downs with the whole benefit corporation um at the end of the day 
Um, our last funding round, it was uh, a lot of circumstances, but our, our, our actually the lawyers on the other end of the deal were very adamant that they would not, um, they, that they, that their investor not invest into a benefit corporation. Hmm. It is, you know, this was a, a actually a, almost like a perfect type of investor for us. Um, he, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't bother him, but he goes by the lawyers. Right. Um, but, but what I'm getting at is that it's, it hasn't changed who we are, how we are and so forth, how we think about the business. Um, but I will have to say is that back in 2014, sometimes, and I, I, I would assume this is still a problem in the social entrepreneurship space. Um, is that sometimes you focus too much on the, um, the benefit that you can give with a company and not making a company sustainable to be able to provide that benefit on an ongoing basis, right? Because you have to bring in funding. And this is from a business case. Some of your social enterprises, I assume, are nonprofits, just like they were in my, uh, in my cohort. But like, how do you balance, you know, when, when, when you kind of have a, a, a wide-eyed uh, uh, person who, who uh, wants to do all this good, wants to hire the under-privileged uh, uh, um, uh, youth, who wants to give back, you know, X percentage to this nonprofit. How do you kind of walk them through? It's like, okay, well, let's build a, we need to build a, a revenue generating, you know, engine first before we can just, you know, be giving back all that, that, uh, um, that value. So kind of explain to me about that, or it, it, am I wrong? Is that assumption? Is, are people coming to the table being like, listen, we got money coming in and, and, and we, we want to do, we want to figure out a, to be more impactful. Yeah, no, I, I, another good question. And I think this is one of the things that we spend a lot of time, you know, working. This is really the, the purpose of all of our work is that if we, if we're going to, ultimately get to a world in which every business is done differently, it's not just going to happen because we all have good intentions. Like we're, you know, that's, that's unrealistic. Um, and that is really why uh, this program has never been about only focusing on impact or only, you know, or, or supporting nonprofits. In fact, it's having nonprofits is more the exception, really. Um, you know, we we are very selective with the ones that, that we allow into these programs and really try to focus on it being still about what is the business case? You've got to have a solid business case. And that goes for, I mean, there are so many different creative ways to create impact. Um, and actually, I'm going to give a, a plug for another free resource that has become one of my favorite tools is uh, there's a, a game actually called models of impact that you can, if you Google models of impact, you'll find it. And it's, um, it's a really interesting tool. These guys developed, um, basically a way to show that, you know, to have a, a strong social enterprise, you really need a business model and an impact model. Um, and you know, your own personal twist or flavor of what it, what's the problem that you're solving. Um, you can't really have a thriving company without both of those pieces being, focused on. So um, it's, that's, a, you know, a tool that we've just started to use periodically, because it's a fun way to kind of introduce these concepts to folks that are maybe starting from scratch. But um, the other thing I, I will say is, in my opinion, I think having the intent, you know, the earlier that you can be thinking about your impact as a business, it's, it helps because it gives you something to shoot for. But we also recognize that you are building a business and you can't make a positive impact without first making a thriving business. So we, and this is a fine line. I mean, there, you know, because there's always going to be decisions that have to be informed by some combination of where you're coming from in your business. But ultimately, like what we hope that our companies will walk away with is a solid direction that they feel really good about as far as, you know, understanding their business model and understanding their impact model to the extent that it can be a guiding light <laughs> for making those decisions. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll mention because, so I brought up the creative ways, I mean, and the B, uh, benefit corporation status, like legal status is one way. Um, and I will admit like that is an area where I'm also really curious to know, has it really made the impact that we all wanted it to make? Um, you know, it's, it's fairly simple to get that status on your, you know, as a legal entity, but the follow through and the reporting and the actual, like, how do you prove that you're doing the good that you set out to do with that is also a real area for improvement, I would say. Um, and 
but there are lots of other options. There are employee ownership models. There's, um, you know, employee stock owner, uh, ESOPs, uh, you know, sharing, owning shares in a company that you work for um, that I would argue are also really impactful. And the same challenges arise. You can't just make a transition like that without first having a really solid business. Um, so I guess all of that to say, <laughs> I agree with you. Like, I, I think there's always going to be these kinds of trade-offs and really we're here to, to help folks think through how do you identify your core values and let them come through in a way that is going to work for you as a human being who's leading a company and, um, you know, and give you the lifestyle that you want to create from that business. Yeah. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, when it comes to a benefit corporation, there's many ways to have impact, right? It could be giving your product away for free. It could be a residual of, of you know, money coming in. It, go, it goes to it. It could be the one-for-one -one models of Tom's, which a lot of people went for, you know, and so forth. But one thing I have been actually hearing a little bit more of uh, in the past, uh, and especially this past year, I think this past year, we've all heard about more of, of everything in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's more like of the equity piece and actually like an impact is actually giving your employees like good pieces of your company or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to hopefully be having the uh, Jeff uh, from breakfast, lunch, lunch and dinner uh, to kind of talk about the cooperative kind of model that, that's been kind of coming up, which again, in food, um, uh, in the farming space, right? That's one thing that you hear about. Yeah, that, that's not mm -hmm. something that that's out of the whack. But what about for other companies, right? Creative type agencies or this or artists, right? So, so I think that that's I I would say that that's probably going to be a or a part of the impact kind of business or the social enterprise that is more kind of uh, gone down in the, in the uh, next few years maybe because people they realize like I need to own a piece of something like wealth you know what wealth accumulation comes from owning you know pieces of businesses whether it be most people know stocks, but it's the equity of, you know, a percentage of a business that's operating, right? Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think that's really, um, it's been very exciting to just start to have these kinds of conversations with more partners locally um, and, you know, to see how, how can we all kind of move the needle on this kind of thing? I really, you know, it's in a way, I think a lot of the founders that we talk to, the reason they're starting is there's a lot of reasons, sure, but you know, one reason to start a business is that you can control your own journey, your own life, you're your own boss, you know, you have that sense of ownership. And to extend that to people who may not be in a position to start their own business, but who could still, you know, win in that in that model. I, I'm really excited about the co-op, you know, the the there's some more and more chirpings happening and some states are starting to pass legislation. There's legislation up right now for Connecticut to kind of make it a little bit easier. So, you know, I think there's, that's definitely a space that we're going to be looking at too. Yeah. And I know we're going to be doing an episode as well about crowdfunding, how that went up mm -hmm. to $5 million instead of just, mm -hmm. you know, so like real, like a legitimate series A you could do now with equity crowdfunding. Um, obviously just like with the benefit corporations or any B Corp status, which is, you know, that's a whole nother episode we can do on the difference between a better corporate, you know, and B Corp. Uh, but like sure, the, yeah. the, 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 um, the reporting requirements from all this, like there is that aspect to always think about, right. You know, <laughs> you, you do $5 million worth of equity and you have 5,000, you know, owners of a business, you know, that there is reporting that you have to do with that. Right. Um, but I, I, that is something, I mean, listen, trifecta we're we're thinking about that. Right. Is there, you know, a piece of, uh, uh, you know, what we can do with our business, right? Um, so I think that for um, for businesses that have more of a social community kind of a model to it, or that's integral to kind of the vision of, of where the company is, it, it makes sense to do these types of, um, uh, I guess, raises or to get more sweat equity into the mix, right? Because um, sometimes putting in sweat equity is a luxury that some people don't have. Um, and so that is another piece of this puzzle, which I assume you get, right? I only have X amount of hours that I can devote to this, which the, a thread of something that is popping up uh, in a couple of these episodes, maybe a little bit because of, I have dealt with it with a, with a baby, with a business, having to get a job, having to bring another, like at the end of the day, an entrepreneur, like you, you got to hustle to make something work. And whether it means to work another job to make your business go, it is, it, it, it's a part of it. So um, I can only imagine that you, you, you get that a lot with, with the people that are coming through your program. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think a, a real through line, you know, a lot of this comes down to what's, what's the right fit, what's the right model for you at any given point in time. And a big part of that, 
as you said, I mean, being the ultimate connector, any one of us as entrepreneur support organizations, statewide, worldwide, really, I mean, I think that's, that's a definite through line. And frankly, you know, when you're in the weeds, when you're just like, I'm trying to figure this out every single day, it can be really hard to come up for air and take a minute and think, well, who should I talk to? I, if you don't even know where to go, like, I, I think that that is just so powerful. And whether it's about, like you said, I mean, figuring out the right form of capital. And I am glad you mentioned equity crowdfunding. That's something that is constantly coming up. Actually, one of our grads um, from the 2019 cohort is a group called Raise Green, which has started their own equity crowdfunding platform to support solar renewable energy projects, just solar for now, but I, you know, they're, they're going to be certainly growing that impact to, to do other renewables. And, um, you know, it's, it's an incredible opportunity right now. And that's something that, again, like there's, it's one way to democratize access to your business and to, you know, get the assets, the resources that you need in the door to do what you want to do. One of many different models, right? So it's all just like, how, how do you figure that out? Um, but, but, and two, I, I also just want to reiterate that, like, I think when we think about impact, some, some of the ways that these companies are thinking about it are practically invisible and that's totally okay. Like for me, it's about, you know, just building something that is going to work and ideally that is not going to create undue hurt or, you know, more problems in the world. Um, and, and ideally really, you know, create something a little bit better. Um, but that doesn't always show up on the surface. I think there's just, this is again, going back to that first question, this like creative approach to you, you're coming up with something. I, you know, maybe it's brand new, maybe nobody's ever done it before. And that can be a lot harder to sell <laughs> to, to investors of any kind, but, um, but it's, it's very exciting to see all of these possibilities and to see, I think the access piece is still so core to all of it. Cause if you've never heard of equity crowdfunding, you're missing out potentially on, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars right there. So yeah, very exciting stuff though. <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, before we get into letting you kind of tell us about what Reset is doing uh, and, and so forth, is that what in, in your mind, what is it about Hartford and the Hartford ecosystem that make, like, why should people come and be a part of it? So. Yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, as someone who left and returned, I will just reiterate that it's been really wonderful to see some of the uh, energy and just the, the enthusiasm from the entrepreneur support community around here. I mean, there's such a wealth of talent and, you know, folks that are really looking to help startups grow here in Hartford and statewide. So, I mean, I think, um, we are, we are like ready and waiting for folks to walk in our doors, to pick up the phone, to join our, you know, our webinars. And we really all like, this is an incredibly interconnected community as we've talked about. So I, I just think there's, there's a real power in that. And the fact that Hartford I mean, admittedly, I was coming out of DC and New York City. Hartford's a relatively small city. And I think that works in our favor because we are interconnected. There's like two or three degrees of separation from anybody here. And that is a huge win for any entrepreneur that has like relied on the connections that you can get. Um, I, I really think that in and of itself is, is a huge benefit here. And of course, I mean, our location does not hurt. We're right, you know, we're, we're in this great space between Boston and New York. And I think there's just been such an incredible uh, growth in the last 10 plus years on the innovation ecosystem here. Um, it just makes sense. It's a great, it's also a great place, I, I would say, to, to come and, and test things out and grow in, you know, it's, uh, again, there's so much support here It for Reset too. It's been a really wonderful place to be. This is our testing ground, but we're talking to folks. We're, we're working with folks in other states even, and you know, always kind of on the lookout for how can we amplify this impact. But Hartford is a really great place to be testing things out and growing um, and building, I would say. Very cool. And again, if it's attracting people back, it's already start, starting to, to do its trick. 
Yeah, appreciate that. So, um, well, the big the big show at the end of our Impact Accelerator each year, we, we offer up our Venture Showcase. So the Venture Showcase this year will be virtual. We're all being safe, um, but I'm really excited. It's going to be April 29th, and we're actually switching things up a little bit. So uh, we've got 14 companies in this year's cohort, and every one of them is going to get to do a brief pitch. And then this year, we're actually also introducing short but really exciting panels featuring this, the cohort. Um, because we've got folks that are really leading the charge in their industries. And so we're going to give them a chance to kind of get a little bit outside of their pitch and share their own sort of thought leadership perspectives on how they're moving the needle within their industries. So it promises to be a very engaging event. We always have a ton of audience interaction. And this year we're also... Um, I won't spoil it, but we're going to be engaging the audience in some exciting creative ways to, to give you a say in uh, in the winners for the evening. So would really love for folks to, to check that out. Um, the tickets are already, uh, you can RSVP already online uh, on our website. And then the other things, um, our, our food program will be underway and we also will do some kind of demo day at the end of that. So um, keep an eye out. That will be likely in mid-June. Um, and with the 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 food space, obviously eating their food is just, you got to eat their food, right? You can't have an event without eating their food. So um, we are we are putting something together around that. So we'd love for folks to just keep an eye out and join us um, in whatever form that will take, which will probably be a combination of, of hybrid and an ability to order in advance from these uh, new food businesses in and around Hartford. Um, and the last thing I'll say is just folks should please feel free to get on our mailing list and our website because we do a lot of different things. There's always different chances to engage. Um, we have forums just about every quarter on different topics um, and are always on the lookout for just good conversations with people who care about this kind of thing and are looking to make some good change happen. Cool. Um, well, Sarah, it was very nice uh, having you on. Again, another uh, good conversation. This one is obviously uh, recorded. The other ones weren't. Um, but, um, but again, thank you for uh, joining us and, um, you know, any, uh, any last words for our audience? Just, yeah, thank you for having me and really exciting to be part of this ecosystem at such a crazy and, you know, incredible time in, in a lot of ways. I, I really have such optimism and grateful to be part of it. Thanks for having me. Very good. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, everybody we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.